My name is Karen Campbell. I am actually on staff here at the bridge, um, and so it's kind of a joy to be in a little switch of positions now, now that I am actually teaching and not just kind of telling you what to do. So um, I'm going to pray to get started, and we're going to get going. Um, Dear Lord, I can just feel my nerves right now, so Lord, I just surrender that to you, Lord, knowing that um, this isn't about me, this isn't about a performance, this isn't about um, doing what's right, but Lord, it's about sharing your truth. And so Lord, um, I just pray that I'm a vessel, um, that your spirit and your word is just working through me, Lord. You have taught me so much, and Lord, I just wanna share a little bit of that with the people that you brought here today. So Lord, um, I trust you, we trust you, we know that you are doing a great work, and so Lord, I just pray that um, your truth is heard today. And Lord, I just pray that the spirit slows down my voice starting right now. Um, Lord, we love you and we trust you. It's your name that we pray, amen. So does anyone remember the very first thing that they spent a lot of money on? Something that like their parents weren't gonna pay for you, but you really wanted, so you saved up for it. So my thing, the first thing that I ever spent all my money on in the seventh grade was a pair of Doc Martens, which I think they're gonna be on the screen. And so for those from the like grunge era, you're thinking the boots, but no, these actually don't exist anymore. <laughs> you can go buy them for $35 now. I was Googling them and looking them up. But these are actually Doc Martens um, that were the, all the rage when I was in the seventh grade. And I really, really wanted a pair of them. But my mother very wisely did not want to spend over $100 on a pair of shoes. And so it was what I actually saved up for. So all of my birthday money, any allowance I had earned, any of that, I saved up and spent everything I had on a pair of those shoes. Um, looking back now, it's kind of probably ridiculous that I spent that much money on a pair of shoes. Um, they were probably about three pounds each, so you didn't really walk, you kind of slid down the hallway, and they're really ugly, but um, to me that was worth it in the end. And so the question that we're gonna ask today is, would you give up everything for the kingdom of God? And so we've been going through the parables on this Thursday night series. And so today our parable is actually a two for one. It is the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great value. So these parables come in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus had actually um, just preached to a crowd a list of parables from the kingdom of heaven. He actually like actually went on a boat to teach out to people. And one of those parables was the parable of the weeds, which Henry Jackson spoke about last week. And so after he speaks to the great crowd, he comes with the, his disciples, his 12 closest. Um, and they went back to the house that they were staying at. And he continued to explain the parable of the weeds. And then he continued with three more parables about the kingdom. And so we're going to start in Matthew 13, uh, verse 44. And it'll also be up on the screens if you want to follow along. Uh, the parable of the hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And the parable of the pearl of great value. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So the important thing that we need to think about is what is the kingdom of heaven? Since that is kind of what we're talking about right now, that is what they sold everything for. And so the kingdom of heaven is also referred to throughout as the king, uh, kingdom of the God or kingdom of God. And it's not really the heaven that you think about when you first think of heavens with the pearly gates up in the sky and St. Peter's there saying, yes, you can come in or, oh, no, not quite good enough. You need to turn around. You're not welcome in here. 
but the kingdom of heaven is actually God's eternal and sovereign rule over all. In Psalm 103, it says, The Lord has established throne in heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. So God created everything, and God rules over everything. And that includes the spiritual realm. So God is also over our spiritual life, and, and we feel that. If you believe in God or don't, like, you know that there's something deeper. You know that there's a spiritual soul, and the world recognizes that too. You probably have friends or people who are like, well, I'm spiritual, but I don't believe in God. Um, so we know that there's a soul, and God is sovereign over that, and he rules over that. But it's also not the present day, but it's also the kingdom of heaven, which is what's to come. So it's eternity where God is going to redeem the world and bring it back into perfect order. So the man and the merchant sold everything they had for the treasure and the great pearl. So would you? Would you give up everything for the kingdom of heaven? Are you willing to pay the price to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus? Would you buy the field? Would you sell everything and buy the pearl? And just kind of another statement that I want to make before we get, uh, as we're going on, is that the Lord paid the ultimate price for us when he sacrificed his son Jesus to pay for our sins. That was a gift to us out of his love. Um, and so we will never pay or sacrifice as much as God has sacrificed for us. So just make sure that's always kind of in the back of your mind as we're talking about the cost of following Jesus. Um, so why is the kingdom of heaven worth it? Like, why are we going to do this? And I think a lot of us know, like, we see that our world is broken. I mean, we have a team here who's to rebuild after the devastation of Harvey. So even our physical world is broken. Um, we see sickness. We see death. We see people um, caring about power um, over anything. And we just, we know that things aren't right. We know that this is how, how it's supposed to be. We know that we were created for something better. Like, we feel that. Like, you feel that you're not right as much as you try. You know that you're like, ah, oh, I should have acted this way in a certain way, or I should have done that. Like, you know that things aren't right. Um, and then we also keep on searching, so then what is that better? And we keep on looking, and we look at different things. I know I look for a better all the time. And we can always look elsewhere, but the truth is that Jesus is that better that we're searching for. And for those of you who have a relationship with God, like, you know that. You know your life before Christ, and you know your life after Christ, so you know that your life is better now. Um, even if the world doesn't see that, even if your life looks the same, or it might even look worse after you found Christ, but you know that there has been a change in your heart and that your life is better now. And if you haven't seen that yet, if you're kind of dipping your toes in, or if you're just, like, really unsure, like, is, is this it? Is this, like, what is the better um, this is an invitation to explore and see why it is better and why Jesus is the better one and worth everything. And so now that it comes down to, like, so what is the cost? What we're talking about, like, what is the cost to follow Jesus? And to put it really simply, it is in the parable, it is everything. And the man and the merchant sold all that they had. Jesus says in Luke 14, starting in verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So this doesn't really mean that we have to literally go home right now and put the house up on the market, empty out the bank accounts, all your possessions up on Craigslist. That's, that's not exactly what's saying right now that you have to do it immediately. But it is saying that you have to be willing to, that you hold everything with an open hand and that it is always second to God, which is its right place, that God is always your number one. 
So you're willing to kind of let go of the things of this world for him. And um, for some of us that like for possessions, like that's kind of easy, actually. Someone, if actually someone could kind of take the stuff away from me for God, I'd actually be a little bit relieved. Like not everything in my life brings me joy, uh, like Marie Kondo says, but what if, if when he says everything, he doesn't just mean our possessions or the things that we have. Um, but what if God asked you to give up your job or your reputation, your time, your comfort? I mean, God can ask you to give up your country or a relationship that you have. And so when we say those things, those are the things that tense us up a little bit because those are the things that really have a greater value to us. Um, they mean more to us than a lot of our possessions and really those are the idols that we put before God. In verse 44, it says, um, in his joy. And so God isn't just asking us to give up everything. He's asking us to do it joyfully, to joyfully follow him and give up what you have to be a part of his kingdom. And I'm going to get really honest with you guys. Like, that is really hard. Giving up all that you have is hard, um, especially because I bet there's a lot of you here um, who's already given up a lot. Um, I have shared with a couple people, and some of y'all know, but two and a half years ago, I um, left the corporate world. I was working in manufacturing um, and in supply chain, and I came on staff at the Bridge Montrose. So I'll tell you more about that, but I did leave my corporate job, um, had left a good salary. I left great opportunity there. Um, I had a career path. I was in a great company that kind of I saw my next milestones every six months of where I was going and kind of out in the distance, the place that I wanted to be. Um, as in manufacturing, so I was in a male-dominated industry, and I was a woman there, and I was really proud of that, of like, that I was doing well, that I was, um, had a career path, that I was seen in leadership, and, you know, leaning it all in, and so that was really hard for me when I had this call to give that up, um, and I was told to give it up and to serve God in a different capacity and be part of the bridge, and I don't regret that decision, but it was a sacrifice, um, it was a sacrifice in a lot of ways that I didn't expect it to be. I kind of I knew I was taking a salary cut, but I didn't think about my weekends were gone. Like Saturday night, I had to work the next morning. My Sundays were gone. Um, my way of life, my thoughts, like what I was doing kind of uh, just went away. And I had to kind of change what that was. And so maybe God hasn't asked you to give up your job for vocational ministry. He doesn't call everyone to that. But he might call you to give up a different job opportunity. He might ask you to give up a relationship. Uh, he might ask you to give up money. We have people here who have given up their vacation time. Um, the status that you are holding, um, he probably is going to ask you to give up the dream of a life that you really wanted and you thought was really good. And he's going to ask you to give it up to follow God. And for me, you kind of want to tell God, like, hey, like, I've given you enough. Like, look at all of this that I have given you. Can I just keep this little bit for myself? Like, I've given more than Joe Schmo next to me has. Like, can't you see all of this you have? And I'm going to keep this tiny part for me. This is going to be mine and not yours. And, um, but then we have to look at what God gave up. That he gave his son Jesus, who was fully man. He was God. He was fully God. He became fully man. He lived a perfect, sinless life on earth. He did a great, impactful three-year ministry on earth. And then he had to bear our punishment with a brutal death on the cross. And not just a physical brutal death, because that is a brutal death. But he also took on all of God's wrath, all of his judgment, all of his punishment in that moment. So we can be reconciled with God forever. 
forgiven for all of our sins and that we get to live in relationship with God for eternity. So compared to that promise, that that is the kingdom that we are promised and we get to experience the here and now, and, and here and now that promises a deep relationship with God who is a loving father. He is a just judge, but just as much as that, he is a loving father who truly knows what's good for you, who knows, you know, I'm a control freak and I can maybe see one step ahead of me, but like if I follow God, he can see the 2,000 step ahead of me. And so, like, that's someone that I want to follow. That's someone who I want to control my life over myself. Um, it's a life filled with purpose. Like, we know we were created to be in a certain way. And when we follow God, we fulfill that purpose and we just feel that deep inside. And we know that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Um, it's a life filled with joy because of that, because you're living that out. It's, we know that times are still going to be hard. We're still in a broken, sinful word, world. But when you're following God, it's someone to walk alongside of you. It's someone to give you the strength to carry on when you don't think that you can. Um, and so that's what we get to experience on the here and now. But then there's also the promise of eternity. That God is going to come back and he's going to restore the world to his perfect kingdom where all the wrongs are made right, all the sickness is healed, and all the dead are brought back to life. And we get to experience that when we follow God, when we give everything up to follow him. Like, that is the kingdom that we are promised. And so when we think about that, when I think about what I get in return for the cost of what I'm giving up, it kind of seems silly in comparison. Like, eternity really scares me, like, that concept. But, like, I want it to be good. Like, I want the best. Like, the pizza we had today, like, it was good pizza. But, like, was it the very best pizza, like, we've ever had? Like, God offers us, like, the... <laughs> And if it is, like, we'll get you some more pizza somewhere else. <laughs> um, but, like, it was good pizza. It was, like, good enough pizza. It is, like, this world is, like, good enough. Like, we can settle for that. But, like, God offers us, like, the very best. Like, God wants the very best for us. And, like, that's what we here at the bridge want for you. And so that's what you get in return. In both parables, in the treasure and the pearl, they were hidden. Um, anyone could find them but you had to look for them. Both of the men had to seek them. And so that's the same with the promise of the kingdom. It is available to everyone. So you have to, but you still have to seek it. So this is an invitation to seek God. Um, and at the bridge, we say like, we're on a journey of transformation together. And so we are journeying through this together. The church, whatever church you're a part of, you are doing that together with people around you. Um, and we like to step in that with you because you are never alone. Because first of all, you have God who's going to be with you. In Deuteronomy 31.8, it says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And then he has your people, your church. Um, and my favorite verse is Hebrews 10.24-25. And let us not consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more you see the day drawing near. So when we're seeking the kingdom, we're seeking it together. We have people around you who are going to step alongside of you. And so a lot of times it can really feel like a burden to give everything away for the kingdom. Um, a lot of times it's like the things are kind of being pulled out of your hand instead of you kind of sitting with open hands saying, take what you want to do. And so I pray for all of us here that we reflect on what we're holding on, I, uh, holding on tight to, that we call them what they are, that they're idols, that they're idols and they're things that we put before God. And so I pray that we all, when those are brought to our minds, that we release them up to him. 
that we hold him with an open hand and that doesn't mean he's going to take them away from us immediately, but he is going to humble us. He's going to make sure that we know who is first and who is second and that he is our number one and our ultimate. And we can also look to the example of the man and the merchant. They knew what they had was worth the cost. They were sold everything they had for it and they knew that it was worth it. And so the thing is that Jesus is worth it. He is worth the cost to give up everything for. And so the invitation is open to know that and to explore that and to experience that. Um, I'm going to close with what Paul said in Philippians 3, uh, starting in verse 7, and this will also be up on the screens. But whatever I gain, I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but from which comes through a faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his suffering, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from death. So let's close. Um, Dear Lord, as we see the cost of following you, Lord, um, I pray that as we see that, we see our idols, we see what's um, keeping us from you, but Lord, I pray that um, we offer them up, Lord. I pray that you bring that joy to us and what that means to serve you, Lord. I pray that we seek the kingdom together with one another, Lord, and we see the great promise you have, Lord, not just on this earth, Lord. It is a gift that we get to experience your church here. But, Lord, we also know the promise is for eternity and the kingdom that's to come. So, Lord, I pray that we see that it is worth the cost. But, Lord, we also see it as the invitation to invite others to realize that with us, Lord. That is not just our job to seek it together, Lord, but to invite others along, those who know you and those who don't, to know what the journey is together, Lord. Lord, we love you and we trust you. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the gifts that you've given us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.